Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Creative Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined today by Pat Corain. We're going to take a look at um, running back ADP and just kind of try and make sense of uh, the landscape because there are there are some things uh, I've done like five drafts so far so like not like a ton but I'm, I'm getting into it a little bit but just kind of thinking about how the draft will change some things how free agency will change some things uh Pat how you doing man how we doing doing good doing good but before we get to that I did want to talk about Kyle Pitts because we talked about him the other day in a Twitter thread. And I also talked about him with uh, Jordan McNamara on the podcast earlier this week. And he had a dissenting opinion where, because basically this is what it comes down to the price that you are going to pay for Kyle Pitts in Superflex or non Superflex is going to be bad. You are going to be, you are going to, he is going to be the highest drafted tight end ever in rookie drafts, right? Kelsey did not go, uh, at 106, Gronk, I mean, if in the way that fantasy football existed a decade ago, did not go that early. Um, Fant and Hawkinson were both back end of the first round. Right. Najoku was kind of in that range. Um, that was kind of like, – that. Was, I was not playing as – or maybe I just wasn't in any – I think I was only in one dynasty league at that time, so I don't even really remember. He was more remember. back end of the first round, but – I think he would go maybe as high as like 107. Yeah. So, but essentially the point is you're being asked to draft Kyle Pitts ahead of where any other tight end has ever gone. And just by the nature of tight ends, like first off draft position is really not predictable for tight ends. Like you see guys like, um, Oh, there's, there was this tight end who went like 10th overall that always comes up. And the, Rich always mentions his name, and I don't remember him now. But basically, you'll just see tight ends drafted second round, third round that just are blockers that that never pan out. Uh, who's the Drew Sample for the Bengals is like they drafted him like 70th overall, and he has like eight receptions for his yeah. career. Like he's just it, – it just happens with tight ends. Now, now Kyle Pitts is going to be drafted really high. Like very likely, I think he will probably go inside the first 10 picks of the real NFL draft. But my point to Jordan was, I don't particularly care if it's a historically bad bet for two reasons. One, the threshold for being a useful tight end in fantasy is so low that if he cranks out four seasons of being like the tight end nine on average over those four years, that probably is like you're still getting those points on your roster. That's still beneficial. But then even more so, Outside of Kittle and Kelsey, and I do not include Darren Waller in this tier for a couple different reasons. Uh, you know, I think they probably sign a wide receiver in free agency. I think they target Henry Ruggs more in year two, so on and so forth. Even if he is able to, to put up 65% of Kelsey's stats uh, in year two, year three, year four, you know, not putting that burden on him in year one, he, he is still more valuable than Rashad Bateman, than Rondale Moore. Javante Williams, Michael Carter, those other guys who we think are going to go in the back half of round one because the replacement level production is so high because you, you'll be starting, uh, you know, uh, Dalton Schultz on some of these teams instead. You know, like you're, you're going to be beating people at tight end on a weekly basis a lot. Yeah, I guess I'm 
I'm not quite as high on him as that. I mean, once you said Rashad Bateman, I was I knew I was going to kind of disagree with the point because well, no, we're we're both on Rashad Bateman as we would take him at five, though. Where that's yeah. not a popular opinion at all, right? But I I guess you know if you're if you know you can trade down off of like the 106 and still get Bateman and give up Pitts, then I probably will be in that position or I just take Bateman. Um, the, the trouble with Pitts is that like when you look at him compared to TJ Hawkinson, he definitely looks a bit more exciting as a prospect, but it's not clear that he's a better prospect he might be a better fantasy prospect because he's kind of more the Noah Fant style player. Which was my argument back then. My, my argument back that I ranked Fant ahead of Hawkinson, even after Hawkinson went ahead of him in the draft is saying like the, the times where Fant works out like the 30% of the time that he is a good NFL player. He's a good NFL player because he's catching a bunch of passes, not like mauling defensive ends and run blocking. Right. And I think the pits kind of looks like a better version of Fant really. So, or a more, I would say like a higher floor version. Less, less athletic, but he's bigger. He's six, six Fant six, four. He's like two fifty. Fant was like two thirty. He won't, he won't run the same numbers, but like, also if I can, if I can get my hand in the dirt, like, dude, just go watch Kyle Pitts. Like he, he just, he just glide, like he just looks incredible. And like, they were running like screens and stuff for him. Like when's the last time you saw a tight end get like screens run for them by a college offensive coordinator. Like he's a really good receiver and he can move with the ball in his hands a little bit. Yeah. I'm excited about Pitts. I think he's someone that I'm going to want to have exposure to. I don't know that he'll be like just one of these guys that I'm trying to get in every draft or anything, but ultimately I think the deal with Pitts is, is that he is going to go top 10 in the NFL draft He's going to be a guy that people are excited about. He's a talented dude that I think will probably have a fairly productive rookie season by the measurement stick of, of rookie tight ends, which is a pretty low bar to clear to be like a rookie tight end that has yeah, you know, 500 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. Like it's, it, people aren't going to be expecting him to hit unrealistically high production his rookie year. And therefore his rookie value, you know, his value after his rookie year is is probably going to be pretty similar to what it was entering the season or higher. Um, I don't think you're going to have this like big downside risk where people just write him off after his rookie season. So he's one of these classic guys that you probably get a free look at. And if you want to trade off him after his rookie year, like you can probably do it at a slight profit, even if you don't like him as much. I mean, as you, did before you could trade Hawkinson for his 2018 rookie draft value right now. And he, he put up, one I, I mean he was fine last year like what he finished the tight end four all, all things said and done yeah but before the the golf trade i mean ffpc redraft adp was putting him up into that like fourth round range where you know yeah. you're expecting imminent breakout so i agree i think you know you kind of you're burning a roster spot it, it can get a little tough with these tight ends in really shallow leagues because that roster spot matters a lot but even in those leagues I probably still am interested in Pitts because he's just like, it's sort of like you're, you're stashing that value and you get the chance that he breaks out more quickly than we expect. It's like a, it's like a Vanguard ETF, bro. You can't, you can't really lose. You can't, <laughs> yeah. unless, unless the market around it crashes. Yeah. You can't really lose. So right. I, I guess I think my top five in Superflex right now, I don't know if I would take, it's going to depend on landing spot where I take Lawrence. 
I mean, obviously we know where Lawrence is going, but we don't know where Etienne, uh, Waddle, or uh, Chase, Harris, and uh, Bateman are going. Well, there are some spots where I would rank Waddle ahead of Bateman. That's going to be, you know, that's going to depend on landing spot, I think, the way I would rank those two. But the, the top five are, are Lawrence, Etienne, Harris, uh, Chase, and one of Waddle or Bateman, depending on landing spot. And then I guess maybe that pushes Pitts to seven. So maybe I won't get, maybe, or, or to six, maybe I won't get Pitts as much as I'm thinking. Well, I'm a bit surprised to hear you not mention another quarterback in your super flex rankings. I don't think that fields is going to start year one. That's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Cause I, I, if you just, let's look at the NFL draft order. So the way that fields starts year one is if the jets trade that pick, if they trade that pick to the Texans, or if they trade that pick to, you know, whoever else for, for that number two spot for fields, Mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain that if the Jets take fields, they will start Darnold to, to begin 2021. And I know, I know we're talking dynasty, but like using, well, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. What do you think about fields? Cause I guess kind of the way I'm thinking about it is I don't really want to take a quarterback that early in super flex in general, unless I think my team just desperately needs the quarterback scoring. Like I actually do have one team where I'll have um, like a bunch of guys coming back from in like uh, uh, George Kittle coming back from injury, Ezekiel Elliott coming back from playing with Andy Dalton as his quarterback, Kenny Galladay, so on and so forth. So like those quarterback points would maybe be really useful for me, but on an, like in teams where in spots where your team is just not very good, what, what is Justin Fields ever going to be a top five fantasy quarterback? I don't know. I don't know if he, had, I think Lawrence has that ceiling, but I don't know if Fields does. And maybe that's, maybe that's wrong. I don't know. I'd have to think more about Fields. Yeah. I, I, I want to keep looking more at Fields too, but I think he, he does have that ceiling at least. I mean, he's got enough size to where you could see him getting used around the goal line, getting some. Yeah. He moves, he can move a little bit. Yeah. So obviously depends on landing spot and stuff, but. I think like after Chase is gone, after the running, the two running backs are gone, that's where I start to get interested in fields. Obviously, Lawrence gone as well. Um, because then you start to get to tiers of wide receiver that either people aren't excited about, like Bateman, and you probably don't have to reach there, or yep. that have genuine question marks around them, like Smith, like Waddle, um, which, you know, they could work out quite well but i don't think are locks and uh then you also have pits there where in super flex like if i have a chance to lock up a quarterback that has pretty legitimate upside you know is going to be a very high nfl selection i'm probably going to take the quarterback just you, you get the high floor and the high ceiling like when these if you need to, if you need like even a tight end premium super flex like if you need to figure out tight end, you can do it. You can do yeah. it often off the waiver wire. Off the waiver so wire. The I mean, spots. Logan Thomas and Dalton Schultz last year. Yep. Yeah. The waiver wire in a lot of these leagues is basically useless, except for figuring out tight end, even in tight end premium. So I think the opportunity cost, at, you know, at quarterback, it's just, it really pushes you there because try to figure out quarterback off the waiver wire. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not. Yeah, fun. you can't. Yeah, maybe you can get like a fill-in scrub who, you know, is playing for an injured uh, quarterback or something. But 
basically to figure out quarterback, you have to pay real draft capital, real rookie pick capital. I mean, any quarterback who's locked into starting next year, you got to pay a first four unless they're like 38, like Phillip Rivers or Ben Roethlisberger or something. But like even Derek Carr would command a rookie first, basically. Exactly. So if you're able to give up like the 105 for an actual rookie quarterback who has right. a legit ceiling, that's so much better than having to pay the 112 or whatever to get Derek Carr. Yeah. So my quarterback strategy, though, I think if I got set in that spot, and again, this depends on where these guys are drafted to, I would rather trade back if possible. And it's always easier said than done. Like when you're talking about trading, especially like in FFPC leagues, it's a little bit easier, but like, I mean, you know, Pat, trying to trade in one of these leagues that you and I are in together, it's very difficult because it's so frustrating. No one wants to have their, their fucking picks laughed at later. Like no one, no one wants to have their trades, like get demolished by everyone in the group chat later. It's like a real thing. And we, we kind of, we kind of like, rip on or you know bust the balls of these like high stakes types of grinder dudes but so much easier to trade in those leagues yeah they will fire trades they don't care they just you know they just and i think it's a better way to play fantasy they're just like i'm gonna get my guys make some moves have some fun and we're over here like crunching numbers like second guessing everything like "Ah, like putting everything into a dynasty calculator (laughs) like yeah yeah. like yeah it's it's no it really is because and then anytime someone agrees to a trade you're like did i miss something right like did i oh my gosh did i miss i i did this math wrong oh no and then you just yeah you end up tilting but the the point i was trying to make is i would prefer to trade back from the 105 get a future second get a, a Cole Beasley type, like some small veteran contributor and take Trey Lance because I am, I am just trying to get extremely long on Trey Lance. And I, this was my strategy in drafts last year. Now that was wrong because I should have just been taking Justin Herbert, but Tua Tua was this guy last year where even in Superflex he was not, he was going like 105, 106, 107. Yeah. Um, and I don't have Tua in any league, but I do have Jalen Hurts in a bunch of leagues. And I think that looks pretty good right now. And I, I think that Trey Lance will have a very similar early career where he's not going to go to start right away. He'll play behind a vet. The vet will play really bad. And then Trey Lance will come in and do some stuff and have, um, I think, a really high fantasy ceiling because I, I think he will. I think he will run. And also, I think Trey Lance can pass too, which I don't I don't know how popular of an opinion that is. I'm excited about that. Yeah, like – I just keep betting on like the guy with a big arm who, you know, people aren't sold on that an NFL team makes a major commitment to like that hasn't let us down in a long time. I mean, even like Blake Bortles, like that did not. Let yeah. Us when, down. when is the last time drafting the cheapest first round quarterback didn't work out? Yeah. I mean, it, it works out every time. L- because- Lamar, Lamar 30th. What would he go? 30. He, oh, he went 32 overall. Cause they traded yeah. up for him. Yeah. yeah. But like even the bus work out because like Bortles was a very, very good quarterback in fantasy his sophomore year. And you the only one who it didn't work out for was Darnold. Yeah, I guess that's true. But Darnold, you still started him. You could still play him in Superflex. Yeah. And also I don't know if Darnold was really the guy in that class. Wasn't he wasn't well, he the... didn't, no well R- Rosen is the one who really busted. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. that's true, but he doesn't Ro- actually fit this mold. You're, it's more the kind of Josh Allen. The yeah, the guys who who have a little bit of rushing utility, who have some yeah. skills. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, all right. So the idea behind this podcast was not a rookie podcast, which um, I'm sure we will litigate here and on ship chasing for the next five months while Pete hosts Top Shot podcast and does, you know, he, Pete's going to check in with us around June and be yeah. like, what's up, guys? What's going on? <laughs> Who's on what team now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I did want to talk about, about running backs since um february 1st there have been 18 completed drafts on ffpc so we're going to be using the adp from fantasy mojo which all of you guys should pony up the 10 bucks for it is it'll pay for itself yeah it's super useful super valuable um so these are the things that surprised me about uh first round adp the the first thing is that jonathan taylor is still holding ahead of derrick henry at this point which the last time you and i talked um, we both assumed that that would reverse. The other thing that is completely nonsensical to me is that Nick Chubb still goes in the first round. All the rest of the running back ADPs make sense to me, but I mean, what more would Cleveland have to do to show that this is a clear timeshare? Like they, they, they paid, they extended Kareem Hunt. Like they, they, and they have not extended Nick Chubb. They don't have to yet. But I mean, it would not surprise me if Cleveland was just like, whatever, Kareem Hunt's our dude, we're paying him, we have him on a reasonable contract, uh, and then they let Nick Chubb walk in free agency, which for him would be next year. But I mean, I would take Cam Akers over him, Mm -hmm. I would take DeAndre Swift over him, I think he's kind of in that J.K. Dobbins range, honestly. Yeah, I think it just kind of goes to the way we look at running back being a little bit different than the way the typical FFPC drafter seems to look at running back. Um, like to me, you know, we talk about this all the time, but it's like, it's a very risky early round pick to, to go with a running back. And if it's going to pay off, it pays off when the guy is putting up 20 points per game or more. He's like one of these true league winning type of players that you just, you know, you're, you're paying off with that huge ceiling. And another way to think about it is like, you know, he's one of these guys that's getting priced up at like 9,000 bucks on DraftKings. Like, yep. That's li- when, that's actually a great way to think of it. Yeah. What has to happen for Nick Chubb to be at like 9K on DraftKings? Like he, you know, Hunt's he's going to be Hunt's at 7K get hurt. probably. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be at seven and a half K or whatever, a lot, a lot of weeks, but he's not going to be priced at that elite range. Most likely Hunt getting hurt would help, but I'm not even sure he would get there because I don't know that he would be used enough in the passing game, even if without hunt. So that's where you look at like guys like cam Akers. You look at guys like Deandre Swift. I mean, Akers and Swift can just have full Derrick Henry level workloads in 2021. Now I don't know if they will forever, but I feel pretty confident that in 2021, those guys should project as 70% of the backfield work guys. Right. And Akers isn't necessarily like a huge pass catcher, but he can have a lot more pass catching work than Chubb without an injury. So, you're well, Akers w- caught passes in college. Yeah. And he caught passes, you know, he wasn't like the passing down back, but I think he'll, he'll essentially be like a lead running back that includes pass catching duties, but he'll sub out for some like third downs and the occasional series. Um, I just think he, you're looking at him. It's like, can this dude have, you know, he can, can he put up 21 points per game without an injury? Cam Akers, I think can. DeAndre Swift can. There's also definite downside, particularly with Swift, now that this offense looks like it could be kind of gross. But you're at least 
getting access to that ceiling. I think when you look at guys that are going in the kind of, I mean, this is a little bit later, like Josh Jacobs is going 25th overall. It's not happening. Josh Jacobs is not going to be priced at 9K on DraftKings next year. <laughs> like, But I mean, I, I have to say this looks like some serious restraint early on from our FFPC grinder buddies to not just draft Josh Jacobs where they did last year. Honestly. Is restraint the word you want to use here? Like I'm seeing the entire first round is green. (laughs) I mean, Josh Jacobs not being a top 20 pick is a giant upset for our FFPC grinder brethren. Honestly, like his, give him until July. The, yeah, the guaranteed touches argument still applies for Josh. Like, Oh, well, obviously it doesn't, but like in the mind of the grinders, the, the, uh, the guaranteed touches argument still applies. Cause they, they did sub him off on passing downs, but he was the full first and second down guy all the time for them. Yeah. Right. But that's just not what we're looking for. We don't want floor. We want ceiling and there's no, there's no ceiling with Josh Jacobs. I mean, there's like some, if every single thing breaks, right. He's, he is a talented running back. He could like, under certain circumstances put up elite fantasy numbers but knowing what we know about his situation it just seems very unlikely so the realistic ceiling is just not where it needs to be for him to even really be in my opinion a third round pick like I think he's still going too high is there a running back in the top three rounds that is an absolute steal and yeah uh, there's two I think go ahead uh, I think it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Antonio Gibson. Um, Antonio now, Gibson was where I was hoping you'd go there. The because because Gibson answered every single question that there was about him. Can he stand up to a heavy workload? Can he run on early downs? Can he run in between the tackles? Can he pass block? This is a guy who had 95 touches in college. Not not 95 carries, 95 receptions plus carries total. Like he yeah. was he was. a a bit player in college because of the way the Memphis offense works. And what we expected was that Peyton Barber would be the grinder and that they would pigeonhole Gibson into the third downs. They did the exact opposite. They pigeonholed Antonio Gibson into the early downs and then played JD McKissick. Now I think some of that was stylistic with the way Alex Smith had to play quarterback due to his limitations as a passer I don't know who's going to be quarterback for the Washington football team. I hope it's someone dope. Like I hope it's Jameis or something in 2021. I think, I think there is a non-zero chance it's Heineke in week one, which is a disaster obviously, but um, I I think Gibson is the one. And then I I will uh, put this caveat in on CEH. It should be CH as the potential guy who could just have rocket fuel dumped all over his fantasy output. But our friend of the, you know, friend of the show, Damian Williams is going to be returning to the chiefs yeah. next year. And Damian might just be better than Clyde Edwards Hilaire at this, you know, with what the chiefs need a running back to do. I mean, Damian Williams has been awesome. So yeah. I think that's, I mean, but he's going to be 29. He's going to be 29 and hasn't played yeah, in a true. year. That's true. Yeah, I think CEH is interesting at this ADP. I think Gibson is a smash at this ADP. Yeah. Because his, as you mentioned, like his red flag heading in was that like, oh, can he can he do the rushing? Is he even a running back? And now his like red flag is that he's a two-down grinder. That's a fake red flag. We know Very, this guy. Yeah, can that's play it's a false fl- it's a false flag operation. <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm excited about Antonio Gibson here. I wish that the trade hadn't gone down uh, with Goff and Stafford specifically for DeAndre Swift, because I would have been very excited to take him in the second round. I'm a little less excited about him now. I think Cam Akers is still pretty interesting in the at the end of the first. Are, are you in on Eckler at all? He's going at 16th. So I am in on Eckler in the context of like, I will probably take him there sometimes just because I, I am not as much of a zero, like as a zero RB purist as you are. Where like, I, I do like to have one rusher at least in the first three rounds. And I don't want to take Aaron Jones, Josh yeah. Jacobs, those guys. I can't believe um, Aaron Jones is going here. He's not signed. He, he will though. And I think that the assumption is either, Green Bay resigns him with the intention of paying him a lot of money or another team throws the bag at him and, you know, Miami throws the bag, the Jets, someone like that yeah. gives him a bunch of Jets money. throw the bag at a running back, it works out. Really it works well. out. <laughs> Dude, do you not remember the LaDainian Tomlinson, Sean Green, Thunder and Lightning? I remember that well. <laughs> so I, I, do, I do like to have one of those guys, and Eckler is um, – Eckler's pretty safe. Like even when Eckler is in a, a bad situation and is losing goal line work, he still is pretty good for fantasy because he'll still catch like six, you know, six balls, 40 yards, and then, you know, adds whatever rushing upside. He does have, I think we should actually be worried about them drafting Michael yeah. Carter, someone like that, you know, a bigger, a bigger goal line guy, because they clearly, I think, should just invest a ton in this offense this offseason and just be like, look, let's try and win a Super Bowl. Well, Justin Herbert is on this rookie contract. And well, it's not what we would do. These teams do include like having a really good running back as part of that, uh, you know, that framework. So it wouldn't surprise me. That's a good point. If they don't draft a running back and we kind of have like a similar split to what we had last year, I do think Eckler has a pretty high ceiling just because I think this offense has a really high ceiling. So if Herbert takes a step forward and he's operating as that pass passing down back, and he does get a little bit of goal line run, at least he has in the past. Uh, I think he's pretty interesting at this ADP. It's not like he's a smash or anything, but I think he's someone that you can talk yourself into. Yeah. Um, okay. The two rookies, Najee and ETN, are RB20 and RB22. My guess is that these guys go way up after the draft, depending on where they go. Um, so this this would be a time where to, to get some drafts in. Obviously, you're dealing with lots of uncertainty, but, I mean, we saw this with Jonathan Taylor last year. He went in kind of the same spot, the 3-4 range of very early drafts, pre-NFL drafts, and then was a – you know, late second round pick for most of the off season. Yeah. I think this is a really good time to get exposure to ETN and, and uh, Najee Harris, because they are going to get more expensive. They're essentially locks to get drafted highly and have a team utilize them. You know, maybe the, maybe it'll be a bit of a Jonathan Taylor situation where it's really not a huge workload until later in the season or, or cam Akers or something like that. But they're not going to fall to round four. And there's a lot of running backs once we get past these two in this rookie class that we're not sure about where they're going to get drafted. There's some downside uh, where, you know, Harris, ETN, they're going to get drafted high. I think they both look pretty interesting too. Like I, I would really like to know what Harris, what his speed is because his profiles, it's a bit scary. Like if he's like a four, five, five, four, six guy, 
it's it's going to be tough. But if he runs and like if he runs sub four or five, I'm pretty interested in Najee Harris. I think he looks pretty good actually. He's not he was used a little bit as a receiver. I think he can be a three down running back if he's got the athleticism. And then ETN's really exciting, but actually have been getting a little bit worried about him in terms of like his coaching staff fit Um, because he is kind of that big play guy and you'd really want him to be with someone uh, on the sharper side. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you for sure. I, my, my worry about Harris is not that he can't catch passes, but just that whatever team drafts him pigeonholes him into the early down grinder role. Um, I, I think that's unlikely. Whereas I think with, um, I think with ETN, even though he actually was not a like super great pass catcher in college, he fits more of the mold. Like when you just watch him and he's kind of of that size, like he's more likely to be a guy that garners targets early on. I think like, I, I think that that's kind of how a team would view him. My concern with him is that he gets taken by just like some real kind of old school coaching staff. That's just like, we're going to slam this dude into the line yeah. 20 times a game. And like, he doesn't have a great yards per carry. And they're just like, this isn't working. He's not taking yeah. it there. You know, oh, that's just going to be so tilting. But if he's in a, with a creative coach staff or, or in like a pass first offense, that would be pretty exciting. Cause he's, he's like a big play running back. He looks like a little Jamal Charlesy or something, you know, like, He's definitely got that speed. He's got kind of the big play thing going on. So I would like to see him. I would even, I would, I think I would prefer him in a, in a true pass first offense. Yeah. I mean, we, we would prefer most of these guys there. So then there's this weird gap where it goes Kareem hunt at 43, then not, not another running back taken on average until Chris Carson at RB 24, no interest in him there. I think Seattle probably, brings someone in or plays penny more like and carson wasn't even that great to begin with last year he might not be back yeah he might not be back and he does not strike me as someone who would command a big free agency deal anywhere then (laughs) javante williams uh who you and i talked about him like i think two or three weeks ago but basically just like i don't know what to make of him and i have no idea what the nfl is going to make of him because he was in a 50 50 split his final year in college and he he got all the touchdowns but I like, I don't know. It's just, that's, that's a weird profile of a guy to evaluate. Very much a guy we need to see the draft position on because when you, when you're in these splits, if you're like a, you know, mid second round pick that often doesn't really matter that you were in a split because the NFL has vouched for you as someone they think can carry the load. He's got the size to carry the load. He looks fairly athletic. Um, He was actually used a fair amount as a pass catcher. Like he had pretty good yards per outrun, ran a lot of routes. So, that's kind of exciting given that Michael Carter was the smaller kind of change of pace guy and Williams profile actually looks a little bit better than Carter's um, in terms of yards per route run. So he's definitely someone I'm interested in right now, but he's also someone I'm not like dying to draft in best ball drafts right now. I I'm more like kind of got my eye on him to see where he lands. Um, Probably not a bad idea to get some exposure to him, but I would, I would be like conscious of the cost, you know, what, what you're paying. Yeah. Um, all right. Who goes next? Then then this is where we get into people just speculating. AJ Dillon, RB26. I mean, obviously, this is either a value by three rounds or a value that's off by like eight rounds if they re-sign Aaron Jones. It's 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 totally binary. Like there is a zero percent chance that AJ Dillon's ADP in August is 
RB 26, 67 overall. It's, it's one or the other. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in, but he's not going to catch any passes. Yeah. It's probably not great. It's probably not great. You're, you're spending a six round pick. There's like legitimate DJ shark is going after him. Jamar yeah. chase is going like I, Cortland Sutton's going after him. I, I, I don't think, you know, I want to gamble in this range on a guy who might be a backup running back. All right. What about, what about our dude, Ronald Jones? What, what do we make? What do we make of Ron Super Bowl champion, Ron Super Bowl. He's got a ring, man. He's got a ring. Uh, He did not do much to earn it though. Unfortunately, (laughs) they had to get to the playoffs, you know, he had that, uh, that streak of hundred yard games. Now, I mean, Ronald Jones has just been so clearly pigeonholed into a two down rusher and you know partly due to his own shortcomings like you see him when he tries to run routes and it's kind of silly it's i Um, mean it's not like it's not like fournette is some great pass catcher playoffs aside yeah yeah i think that um rojo's adp probably needs to fall a little bit and it and frankly it will because a lot of these dudes that we're not sure about behind him it's going to become a little bit more clear although that said like if Leonard Fournette is re-signed elsewhere and now mm-hmm. Jones is competing with Keyshawn Vaughn, I think it'll be kind of what it was throughout most of the 2020, you know, fantasy season where Jones is the lead back, but he's a somewhat frustrating start, a, a very touchdown dependent start. And it's actually this, the type of situation where he's probably best in best ball because you'll get those touchdowns slotted in you'll get the random screen pass that he takes 20 yards, you know, hopefully in a game that he scores as well. So I think that he's a little bit overdrafted here, given that we don't know if Fournette's going to be back. I think that if he does fall, then, you know, it could be interesting, but if Fournette's not back, then I think this ADP is, is pretty fair in best ball. What do you think? I think it's pretty fair. And I think that best ball specifically where you're not having to sweat like, oh, does he get benched this week? Like, what's the deal? Does Tampa Bay draft a running back? Like, you, you just don't even have to worry about it. You just you bank uh, his 800 yards and six touchdowns, which he will probably right. get, um, and you just you get the spike games. I do think it's going to be a spot where we are not wanting to draft him as much this year as we drafted him last year. I think that Tampa Bay either re-signs Lenny or – they draft, you know, they they draft a replacement to Keyshawn Vaughn, or they play Keyshawn Vaughn more. Um, it, so I agree. It, I agree. Yeah. I my the whole thing with Ronald Jones. I mean, I've turned it somewhat into a bit, and by somewhat, I mean entirely a, a complete but, bit. Yeah, <laughs> but the the thing with him is that after his rookie season, there was certainty that he sucked. Certainty. The market mm-hmm. was absolutely sure, and we just didn't have enough information that he sucked. He turns out he does not suck, but now we have enough information that we are legitimately certain or close to it, that he is not going to be used in a three down role probably ever. And so at this point you have to bake that into his ADP, even entering last season, you know, he was used a lot on early down screens in 2019 and there was, you know, reasonable upside that that could happen again. It, it, he kind of got scaled back in that capacity, but um Frankly, he actually paid off where he was getting drafted, especially if you got him post Fournette. But it's just there's now kind of a, a profile that's a little less appealing 
heading into 2021 because we know that the the upside really isn't there as a receiver and you know you're banking on some touchdown spike weeks but he fits a profile that's similar to like Damian Harris and so there's cheaper versions of him now available given that we actually do have more information on him as a receiver so now after Ronald Jones this is where the market just doesn't know what to do Miles Gaskin 79th overall Kenyon Drake RB30 at 82 Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson are both top 110 picks Damian Harris 105 Chase Edmonds 104 Edmonds he's I mean I think he might even just start the year for Arizona as their lead running back I would say I mean he just was better than Kenyon Drake now they still continue to ram Kenyon Drake uh, you know behind the guards when he came back from injury last year but I mean what Edmonds was RB19 in PPR last year like I think he just is another guy to draft as a value this year and just hoover him up if this is where he's gonna go this is an absolute smash I mean we, yeah. he was a value in drafts in this range in 2020 then the information that we got is that like he's he's good like he's still really good he's yep. better in a big he, he actually got a really big role was that that was against Miami right where he just had like all the touches um, where Drake was at, didn't do much with them, but that was still a really helpful data point that they are willing to rely on this guy. They could let Drake go and then draft someone, which would hurt. But even in that scenario, you know, he's probably like a committee back and it's just all upside at this price. Like you get the contingent value upside of, you know, what he could do if the guy ahead of him gets injured. There also might not be a guy ahead of him. <laughs> so yeah, Kenyon Drake getting, just might not be on the team. Yeah, and they might not draft someone in the first three rounds. So you could be looking at like them drafting someone to mix in with Chase Edmonds rather than Edmonds being the guy who's mixing in. So he's a dude that you could see being drafted in like the fourth round. You're getting in like the the late ninth round. I love I love this value. Yeah, I, I love this value too. I mean, he's a guy, uh, I've not done a ton of drafts yet, but he is a guy that I've been taking uh, in the, like I've, I think I've taken him in all the early drafts that I've done. Uh, Naheem Hines, this is where we start to get into the PPR only guys, but then. Yeah, well, I want to say on Jeff Wilson real quick. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Jeff Wilson a lot. I think he is a really good running back. I think basically anybody in that system can have huge weeks i do wonder though if like some of what jeff wilson gives you isn't as good for best ball because jeff wilson's like one of the guys where you genuinely generally are going to know when to start him like if mostert is healthy, yeah if someone's out you just start him yeah if, if mostert's healthy he's probably playing behind mostert but any weeks that mostert misses he's just a lock button in your starting lineup so he's more of a managed league like main event type of pick i think I think this is too much for him, though, because I would be first, I would be comfortable with him in, in the first of all, Shanahan will not go into the season with just Mostert and um, Wilson. He will draft someone. He will sign someone. I think Tevin Coleman's deal expires and yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if McKinnon just is not in football next year, but he will do something. He will add whether, you know, whether it be playing Jamichael Hasty whether it be it just it just does not matter Shanahan is zero percent to go into the season just counting on two running backs he thinks can play he will do something to add a third guy into that mix for sure especially because Wilson and and Mostert are on like 
nothing contracts. Like they, they do not count against the salary cap hardly at all. So they will just add, they will do something at running back. Yeah, I agree. I think there'll be other guys in the mix, but I don't know if those guys will be in the mix in every game. It'll be like, they'll, they'll probably, they'll probably be a couple hasty weeks or something, but right. The thesis of the Wilson play is that there's going to be like three to five Wilson weeks in 2021. And you'll yeah. know when those, when, weeks are to, gonna when be, to start him, yeah. when to start him. Yeah. So that's why I like Wilson. Um, I think he is a definitely expensive here for best ball because that advantage is, is meaningless in best ball. So, uh, so I would be passing in the 10th. He's, he feels more like 11th or 12th round in best ball to me. Okay. What about Tony Pollard? Finally, he, finally, he started trending up to like 35% of the snaps this last year. And he still does remain, you know, if Zeke goes down, Dak is the quarterback. They have this offense. Um, he will, he becomes an instant running back one. If, if anything happens to Zeke's, but is, do we now consider Pollard to be a, you can start him in week 12 when one of your dudes gets hurt and two of your other guys are on by? Like, do we think he he could have an RB28 in PPR finish while Zeke also finishes running back four? I mean, I don't know how Zeke finishes running back four. That's the part that sounds implausible to me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think Pollard can be running back 28 for sure. I mean, he's really explosive. He's awesome in the passing game. He's like way better than Zeke at this point. Is that controversial? I, like, he's... I mean, so so since week nine, since the Pittsburgh game, these were his snap counts: 32, 32, 36, 39, 37, 90 percent in the game that Zeke got banged up against the 49ers, and then 47 percent. So like, he was he was playing like a Naheem Hines level of snaps. Yeah. To to Zeke's Jonathan Taylor. To me, with Pollard, you get the best of both worlds. You get the Naheem Hines profile, as you're saying, which is awesome in best ball because anytime those PPR spikes come along, anytime he gets in the end zone, that gets slotted into your lineup. But then you also get massive contingent value. If Zeke goes down, Pollard is going to win leagues, and he's getting slotted into your lineup even when Zeke's playing. So I, I think Pollard is an awesome pick. I wasn't super into Pollard last year, but Pollard's ADP was higher last year. He's, he's a little cheaper now. Yeah. Which makes no sense. Like, well, it, this will not hold Pollard will be yeah. Pollard will go one Oh five by, by August. One Oh five. What do you mean? Like 105th overall. Oh, okay. okay. I thought you meant the one Oh five. Yeah. No. Okay. No, no, I'm, I'm with you. Okay. I think, but even that is a is a slight discount, right? Because he was going more like he was expensive, like on underdog last year. You had to take him in like the ninth round. Yeah, and in some FFPC drafts, he's going in like the the eighth round range, like mid. Yeah. So, I think um, Pollard, you get your exposure now because I agree. I think he'll rise in value, but I I would be interested in him in the ninth to tenth round. We got more information on Pollard. And it was good. Zeke played a lot lower percentage of snaps in 2020 than he did in 2019. Pollard also looked really good and Zeke looked pretty bad. And like all of the advanced stats say the same thing on Zeke. He's not breaking big runs at the frequency that he used to, you know, I think Pollard's better in the passing game. So this could progress. This could end up being like a 50, 50 split in 2021. And if Pollard's got more burst, then, you know, he's functionally the lead back in a 50, 50 split. All right, so who do we have next here? Oh, 
Zach Moss, Devin Singletary. Moss going as the running back 41. Singletary going back, going as the running back 44. They're both within uh, a round of each other. Are we are we running the Zach Moss thing back? Well, I guess the the trouble with Moss is the health, right? Um, and the team doesn't seem interested in throwing to their running backs or calling goal line runs for their running backs. Right, right. And... I don't think that they're just going to let one of these guys be the workhorse. I guess if one of them was going to be the workhorse, it's probably more likely to be Moss, but it's still not all that likely that they hand it off to either one. So I don't know, just based on like contingent value, just, you know, the idea that it could just kind of go down to one of these guys. Um, they have to be in the mix in this range though. Yeah. You know, like 11th round, like that's not like we do know that there's going to be touches for for Moss and Singletary. Singletary's going at the 12-10. I think you just get exposure to both of them right at these prices because it's it's not prohibitive. You know, they're they're getting they're getting drafted low enough where you can just get some exposure. Uh, I don't think they end up drafting someone. I don't think they end up bringing anyone in. So there should be some spike weeks from both these guys. Well, Buffalo does love to bring in vets, so I, I'm not I'm not that confident. Like bringing in Todd Gurley or something like that. Buffalo oh, loves to do shit like that. Yeah, they do. Enough. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Now here are some guys who I think are gonna be on a bunch of my teams. Gus Edwards, running mm-hmm. back, 45. Um, non-zero chance he gets more carries than J.K. Dobbins, and they're probably are not enough pass attempts we 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 thought the thesis to that play might work out with Dobbins they they barely threw him the ball and I I don't think that will change Chubba Hubbard going super late here he's a guy with a lot of production who I don't think he'll test amazing but I think he's like the classic uh NFL is gonna like him more than the than Dynasty Twitter uh Daryl Henderson 158 overall RB 51 he'll just be a super high value handcuff like, yeah. yeah, crazy, crazy high value. Uh, Latavius Murray, just again, I mean, he's just an instant running back one. Same same thing as Pollard, just an instant, instant running back one handcuff. Um, and then a guy you hate, Philip Lindsay, he will probably not be back with Denver. Do you think he goes to a team that throws in the ball? Because, like, that's what has to happen for him because he should be that profile of guy, but he never has been. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, you say I hate Philip Lindsay, but my whole deal with Philip Lindsay is that he wasn't getting goal line touches in 2019 and he wasn't getting a ton of passing work in 2019. And then they brought in Melvin Gordon, who was clearly going to work ahead of him in both of those roles. So it's just like, you, you just don't, you just don't draft running backs with that profile in my opinion, but he's good. Philip Lindsay was really good. They shouldn't have brought in Melvin Gordon. That was a strange signing. They should have rode Philip Lindsay. So I hope you're right. I hope he goes somewhere where, you know, he, he gets used at least as a pass catcher. He's a restricted free agent though, dude. So I think the most likely scenario is that he's back. He's just back with Denver. Yeah. Which is bad. You don't want him if he's back in Denver, in my opinion. Um, Yeah. I think that one of the guys that's kind of interesting here. Oh, first of all, I really like the Daryl Henderson call. I think he's getting forgotten about. He's going to operate in the Malcolm Brown role, I think. Yeah. But he's better than Malcolm Brown. Um, and I love the Gus Edwards call. 
I think he's going to be one of the best picks in this entire range. And, you know, again, in best ball, you're going to get those touchdowns. That's the whole Ravens deal. It's just, you know, when they score a touchdown, it'll be a good week for the, for whoever does it. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be pretty even split. What about Jamal Williams? Um, No, I I'm out because I think, well, I guess I'm not out, but I think that he just, like snaps, snaps at running back don't necessarily always translate into fantasy points. And Williams is a great example of that because he still played, he played a bunch of snaps this last year, but just didn't generate any fantasy points because he just gets no high value touches. Like they target him a little bit, but they don't give him the ball in the red zone very often because Rodgers just loves to, they just throw, they throw like 80% of the time in the red zone. And I, I don't see that being something that changes, as, but like at this rate, is he probably a good handcuff? Cause we think Aaron Jones is likely going to be somewhere else. Sure. Yeah. I, I think the, the stone nuts handcuff here though is Damian Williams at RB 57, 200th overall. That a hundred percent agree. A hundred percent agree. But Jamal Williams gives you um, a pretty big ADP upside here. If Aaron Jones isn't back. Cause you say, you know, AJ Dillon's going to jump probably three rounds. But Jamal Williams is like an eighth, ninth round value if it's A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams. Yeah, if Aaron Jones signs in Miami or in New York or Pittsburgh even is a team that might want to spend on a running back. Um, Okay, I wanted to ask you about Jamar Jefferson. He's one of these running backs. I have not watched him yet. I haven't like – like I just – you know, I'm just getting started on running backs. But there are – people that really like this guy. Like I've seen a lot, like uh, I've seen a lot of, um, you know, dynasty people starting to tweet about this dude, but he had 18 receptions the last two years after having 25 as a freshman. Like, I I guess I just, I, I maybe just don't see it straight from the data, what people are seeing in Jamar Jefferson. I think you brought him up last time and I have forgotten to do any research on where, where did he go to school? Because Oregon State. Let's see. Okay. Let's see. Jamar Jefferson scouting report. Let's see if we can just research this live on air. I mean, um, he's not he's not listed in ESPN's prospect list, which goes to 237 players, and PFF doesn't have him in theirs. Uh, yeah, so. I don't know. I, he he is getting drafted in these best ball drafts, though he has been selected in um, roughly half of them that have concluded. All right, I'm going to put him on my list to do more work on. I don't I don't really know anything about him, but you know, this is the time of year. Like if you've got a if you've got an inkling on a dude, you can get for free. You know, you're gonna. I, I took that Bears fullback. What, what's his name? Ryan Nall. I took Ryan Nall in a draft last year, so you know he. Jamar Jefferson probably end up being a better pick than that. Yeah. Um, okay. Any other interesting running backs here? Uh, your guy, Demetric Felton, who is in here. And then, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, look, man, they, they, it's not, a, it's not a written in the stars that they re-sign Leonard Fournette and they don't want to play Ronald Jones on passing downs. Yeah. No, I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn, is not a bad pick if you can get him cheap enough because we know that there's a role available in that offense that Ronald Jones will not fill. So the question then becomes, does Leonard Fournette 
come back and serve as the passing down back um, slash, you know, I don't know if it'll start, start, but, you know, basically it'll be some type of committee or is Vaughn operating in that role and you're getting him as like a 20th round pick or later. So, yeah. Yeah. I think like Vaughn's a pretty, pretty awesome pick right now. Gotta say like there's, there's touches to be had. And like also Fournette sucked for most of 2020. Yeah. In the regular season, he was bad. He got, he was a healthy scratch. So yeah, he had an awesome playoffs, but this dude has had like various issues with his team. He got cut after getting drafted top five by the Jaguars. I know he's just redeemed himself and we should be all about him. And he has a funny Twitter profile. Which he is, is he really is funny. so funny on Twitter. He's like I, I gotta Twitter. say, he like his, he's won me over. Yeah, yeah for, like, sure. I, for sure. I don't want to hate on Leonard Fournette anymore. I'm, dude, it's I'm not even trying to hate on him. I'm not trying to hate on him. I'm just saying that he was literally a healthy scratch in 2020 at one point. And, and and would have remained so in the playoffs had Ronald Jones not been on the COVID list. Not been on the I COVID list. Not had I don't, that injury. Not had. I don't like. Thing. Isn't that a, isn't that a crazy wrinkle in time thing where yes, like they healthy scratch him could have been Ronald Jones time and then Ronald Jones breaks his finger and goes on the COVID list. You know, Davis, I've never thought about this. <laughs> it's interesting you point that out. <laughs> uh, yeah. okay. But who else is my point? My point is is just that. Keyshawn Vaughn can end up being a decent pick, even if Fournette re-signs, because there's yeah. there's there are scenarios where in the second half of 2021, Vaughn works himself more and more into the offense. So I, I like him a lot here. All right, um, there was another name here that uh, that well, left out at me. The Steelers with the Steelers. Benny practice. Snell, RB seventy four. He just might be their day one starting running back. Yeah. Like I I think it's low. I think that they draft someone or sign someone like a big chunk, like, I don't know, 55% of the time or something. That's what they do. But there also is a very real world where they don't do that. And Benny Snell just lines up ready to go day one. Agreed. And Anthony McFarlane, you know, he could be in the mix. Like I would take some stabs on the Steelers backfield. Cause you know, it's one of those things with, with Jacksonville, right? Like I did not know who to pick in the Jacksonville backfield. Right. I ended up kind of being like, well, Zigbo probably has the best chance. So I'll, I'll try to grab a Zigbo when I can, but just spread it out and take stabs. That's like, we keep learning this lesson. I'm frustrated with myself for not applying this lesson more, but we have complete ambiguity in a backfield. We have a couple guys we think could be pretty interesting. Just make sure you have some exposure at extremely low cost. Like go back and look at your 2020 drafts and what happened from your 18th 19th 20th round picks nothing yep. happened they were all disasters except unless you were getting like james robinson or miles gaskin or something so you know swing for the fences mix it out uh mix it up with your exposures um you know because I, I think one of these steelers running backs could end up being a league winner potentially yep um carry on johnson just he will be the handcuff i think in detroit pretty clearly and Boston Scott, maybe, maybe not. But Darrington Evans, we liked him last year. He's mega. I mean, he's not even drafted in very many of these. Going after defenses, RB seventy nine. Like he and it just he got hurt last year, so he never really got. And they so they played McNichols instead. Yeah. Um. But I mean, they didn't throw the ball to to Derrick Henry anymore last year, really. Yeah, I, I struggle with Evans because I just don't see scenarios where he ends up being awesome. Like, even if Henry misses a bunch of weeks, it feels like they would use some kind of committee. 
but you know, when he's free, he probably is a guy that is worth taking a few stabs at. Um, I do want to mention Rakeem Boyd, who was on last chance you, and it's just an absolute awesome breakaway runner. Have you watched any of him? No. uh, uh-uh. Is he good? I don't know if he's good, but he runs in a straight line very quickly and it's fun to watch. So he's, I mean, I'm, he's I'm like, on board. Yeah. He's fun. I think, uh, it'll depend. I don't even know. It's, you know, I don't know for sure that he even gets drafted, but it sounds like he's like in kind of the fourth, fifth round range. So he could be kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, if you get, you get this low, it gets tough. What about, um, Ahmed? Um, I mean, I guess that's very dependent on what they do at that position. You know, if they have all these extra picks, like would not surprise me if they spent a vanity pick on, on ETN or Najee Harris, cause they have so many early picks. Interesting. So, yeah. Cause I was going to ask if you just had to put a bet down on what Miami does, like if they bring in Jones or, or sign someone like that, or, or wait until day two, what, what do you think? They draft an offensive lineman with that first pick. And then if they are able to get one of the stud wide receivers, you know, if if Waddle, Chase, or Smith is available to them, then I think they do that. But the other thing they could do is they could decide, Tua, we tried it. We don't think you're the future. We're taking Zach Wilson. We're trading you and this first for Deshaun Watson, you know, uh, which I think they should do, which I think is what they should do. I don't know what they will do, but I think that's what they should do. And, you know, then then they don't do anything to address running back because they probably trade like five picks to get Deshaun Watson. That'd be so cool. Yeah. I'd really enjoy that. Yeah. And then the the last guy here for me is I just want Jarrett Patterson to be a thing because he was so, he was such an insane rusher his final season at Buffalo, I don't think he has much of an NFL future because he literally caught zero passes his final season, literally zero. But uh, he was just such an insanely efficient early down runner in college that I just I just love to see dudes like that get a shot. Five nine one ninety five. Not going to test passes. well. Not yeah, going to test well. Not. He does not look one ninety five though. I call I call I, he will weigh in at two oh five. Okay. I bet. Okay. Have you done any more research on Rondell Moore's height? Uh, I'm in on Rondell Moore. I spent You're the in? morning. I spent the morning watching him. <laughs> I'm I'm in, dude. You told me he was five six last time I came on. He might be. It doesn't matter, <laughs> dude. It doesn't matter because because now I get the thesis behind the play after watching him play a bunch. I get the thesis behind the play. He is the rugs Tyreek uh brandon cook's mold of wide receiver where you just move him in jet motion every single play you hand him the ball you throw him slants like you you or or nine routes but like you never ask him to go and and uh catch contested passes against Uh, i don't i wish i could pull the name of a cornerback off the top of my head right now carlton davis jalen rams yeah you you don't ask him to go and win an island against those guys you just get him the ball and because he's so shifty and he, He's dude, did you Jones drew playing wide receiver? Did you see that video of his vertical jump? No, I didn't. I should I should check this oh out. Oh my god, dude, he he did a 42 inch vertical jump. Holy shit. It's insane. The video is insane. It lo- it looks like he could jump on top of a house or something. It's crazy. That's like what Calvin Johnson jumped. Yeah, no, it's it's nuts. Like I I'm all in. I'm all in on Rondell Moore now. Like I I well, I didn't hate him before. I just I didn't like I just hadn't 
had enough time to think about the thesis behind the play and I'm in now. He's incredible. Ben Gretsch has been saying that he's going to be our Visca this year. And, and I think he, I think he is. It's looking he had, good. He had 15 catches and 150 yards and a touchdown against Ohio state playing. He was on Purdue. Like he was on a yeah. useless team and he just torched Ohio state. Like broke out as a freshman. Yeah. He's only People 20 still. Yeah. Yeah. And when he played, he didn't play very much, but when he did play, he still had good like dominator stuff and like the yeah, eight other did. games he played as a sophomore and a junior. Yeah. 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 We're in. No, he's exciting. He's definitely exciting. I I'm hey man, I just uh I'm glad you're on board. You you're Bateman so awesome Bateman is gonna be Bateman is gonna be our Visca though. Bate Bateman's gonna be like our C D lamb. Like he's like Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know He's, for because because the thing with Visca is that he was cheap to acquire. Yeah, I well, I mean, hey, if Bateman's cheap to acquire, you know, I'm I'm all on board for that. But I think he's a better prospect than Visca, and I think Bateman uh, ultimately yeah. made well, it in the first round. Yeah, yeah, Bateman is a better prospect than Visca for sure. He just is a he was a he didn't rely on any gadgetry at all. There was no gadget in Bateman's game. He was just uh slants slants and and uh pin downs that was all he did at minnesota yeah i i'm really really excited about bateman i think whatever yeah. discount we're getting on him is going to be I, i'm taking it so yeah <laughs> I'll have all right let's wrap it up uh ship chasing listen to it uh what are you, are you working on anything for etr right now i am i'm getting uh dynasty rankings together so that those will be out next week there we go. All right. Uh, everyone follow Pat on Twitter, Lishnership Chasing, and we'll be back next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 